there is no plan B because, uh, and, and this is the difference, there is no plan B, there is no going back. You'll have to do whatever it takes and that's why I also mentioned in the book the, uh, the immigration spirit, which means that uh, the spirit that you have within you to do whatever it takes as long as it takes regarding the obstacles uh, so that you'll be able to stay permanently in that destination. Welcome to the Curiosity Shire, where we share stories which will educate, inspire, and challenge you. My name is Seth, and I'll be your host during today's episode. I bring my sense of adventure and endless curiosity into each conversation as I learn more about the incredible world we live in and the inspirational people that we share it with. In this episode, I get to talk with an Israeli man who immigrated into Germany, specifically to the city of Berlin. He wrote a book about his experiences which not only documents the journey he took from Israel to Germany as an A to Z immigration guide, but also helps to shift the reader's mindset about immigration, culture, and the freedom to move, which is an intrinsic human right. During our conversation, we discussed why someone would consider moving from their native country to another country. He shared what made him choose Germany instead of any other country and why he's enjoyed living there since his immigration. You'll learn what it's like to immigrate to another country, the challenges immigrants face, and how you can be a better citizen by intentionally being part of your community. Erez, thank you so much for coming on the Curiosity Shire podcast. Uh, I'm really excited to talk to you about the the topic of immigration and kind of your story of immigrating to Berlin there in Germany. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Seth. Thanks for having me. I'd kind of like to start with, you wrote a book, uh, which is all about the process of immigration. And, and that is based on your experience going to Berlin. But where did you come from before you, you made that step? I'm originally from, from Israel, from the Middle East, actually. Uh, I grew up in the 1980s in Israel, and, uh, you know, the Middle East um, is, is a very, very tension area. We mm -hmm. have lots of uh, conflicts there, and I didn't like the fact that I was born into, a, into a, a political area, into a tension area. That's why, you know, when I grew up, I always thought about... Uh, about, I mean, I had that thought of, of immigration uh, inside mm -hmm. of me. I, I always wondered what it's like to, uh, to have the immigration dream, to live elsewhere. And I think it was also because of the fact that I was very curious. I, um, I you know, I liked languages, I liked uh, cultures. And that's why when I grew up, I, I decided that I wanted to travel into more uh, destinations. And uh, I had a chance uh, to see a lot of destinations uh, all, around, all around the world. And at some point, I decided that uh, I wanted to immigrate. I wanted to, uh, to live permanently in my native country. And uh, this is where it all starts, basically. 
this is where, where yeah. my story starts. That makes sense. And I'm curious, uh, when you said you wanted to emigrate, basically leave your country permanently, what is what is the difference between an immigrant and an expat? I kind of hear I, I kind of want to hear your take on this. Well, it's a, it's a very important question what you're asking because people tend to confuse. People tend to think, "Hey, I'm going to move uh, to a certain destination. Everything's going to be awesome. We'll see how it goes." Um, but it's not going to work this way. Um, I mean, you can do that, uh, but then again, uh, immigration is a totally different mindset because mm. immigration means that you have to work on your immigration goals in order to stay. It's not like a temporary stage when people say, hey, I got a job at uh, this destination, I'm going there, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, because immigration means that you'll have to work uh, tremendously hard, sometimes you, you'll have to uh, learn a new language, you have to really understand the immigration policies in that country. Uh, you have to understand that you are there permanently. That's why you have to work on other aspects like uh, finding an apartment for a long term, maybe purchase an apartment, maybe uh, you know do other uh, arrangement there. Um, the more you uh, you learn, the more you settle yourself, uh, the more you uh, you work on your immigration goals the more you establish yourself in that place and that's why it will be easier. Uh, and that's mm. why I think immigration is a, is a first of all, is, an, is a window of opportunity because you know you, you do that in order to, to, to get a better life, better opportunities, a, high, a higher quality of life. Mm -hmm. And second, uh, people got to know that it's a, it's a full-time job. It's, it's, it's a, a process, it's a long process. It's going to take you maybe eight years, 10 years to complete. But at the end, uh, you do that because you, uh, you really care about your future. You really care about uh, not only your future, but your family's future. If you have kids, of course, uh, your kids' future. And that's why um, it's, uh, it's not that easy uh, process, uh, procedure to execute. Because you have mm -hmm. a lot of stuff uh, that you have to do during that journey. And, and this is the, the main difference between the word immigration, which is a very, very powerful, powerful word, and relocating or moving temporarily to another uh, destination. Yeah, I love that. And I just want to make that clear as we move forward, because, um, you know, there might be somebody who's like, oh, yeah, I was an expat down in such and such country. They haven't gone through what you've gone through and what a lot of immigrants go through. And I'm kind of in a unique situation because I'm like half expat, half uh, immigrant, <laughs> because, you know, we're we're here in Iceland for a short time, but then we'll probably move back to America. So I consider myself more of an expat. But at the same time, I've had I'm applying for my citizenship here, so I'll have dual citizenship. Uh, and I'm going through learning the language, you know, getting into the social system, um, getting my driver's license, getting into the culture. So, yeah, um, it's kind of like this this balance that I'm going through. And I, I love that you were making that distinction because and, and what you said about it being a full time job, because it's it's tough. <laughs> so I kind of want to hear your story as we as we go into that. Um, why Germany? What what made you decide to move from Israel to Germany? Well, as I mentioned, uh, first of all, I had this old dream. I, I always wanted to move. I, I never belonged to my, my native country. I didn't like mm -hmm. the, uh, the mentality, the loud mentality, the tension, the intolerance, 
I, I, I wrote a book, uh, Berlin's Immigration Secret, in that, and, and in that book I also criticized my native country. So mm. um, basically I wasn't that happy with what's going on there. And I think this is really, really important what I'm going to say. I think that the fact that you were born into a certain country doesn't necessarily mean that you'll have to live there for the rest of your life. We have a choice. We have a freedom of choice. We have freedom of movement. People need to understand that. All right, now, uh, government tend to, uh, to hide uh, a lot of facts. You know, governments, if you, if you are an American citizen, um, your government will not encourage you to immigrate, any government in the world. Because, once again, you pay taxes, you are the citizen of that country, they don't want to lose you as a citizen. However, you got to ask yourself, okay, I pay taxes, I do my uh, duties. Do I really know where, where my taxes are going? Uh, do I uh, really have transparency between me and the government? Um, you got to ask yourself, what do you receive? Uh, is it worth for you to stay there in the long term? And this is really, really important questions that every citizen uh, needs to ask himself. Because at the end, you, we want to avoid corruption, we want to live a better life, and really we want to know that, that you know, we, we are paying taxes, we are citizens, but we also want to, to know that the, our government uh, uh, is taking care of us, our needs. We, want, uh, we are working uh, in order to, uh, to have a better life, and, and this is an important question. And I ask myself those questions before I immigrated. I also ask myself, um, where do I see my future? You know, so uh, mm -hmm. where do I see myself in, in, in 10 years, for example? And when you really start to dig in and ask those questions, then you realize that uh, you have a choice. You, an individual, uh, you have power. You have no idea how much power you have as an individual. No, no government in the world can stop you. And when you understand that, uh, you you become invincible once again in your mindset and then you can execute it. So uh, this is what I want to clarify. So why I, I actually chose Germany, you know, uh, obviously, you know, when I started to research about it um, and actually when I was uh, a kid, when people say immigration, people uh, always thought about uh, the US. The US was and still number one immigration destination uh, around the world. You know, everybody thinks about the American dream. But now the situation uh, change has changed completely. Uh, Germany is actually the second large, largest country in the world in terms of immigration. I see more and more Americans and Canadians uh, going there. I think also because of the fact that they understand the, the benefits that they will receive, which I'll uh, elaborate uh, later on. But uh, I started to research about it, uh, you know, learned uh, about destination like uh, Canada, the US, Sweden, and eventually I chose Germany uh, because of actually four reasons, uh, four main reasons. And uh, these are the main fours. So number one, uh, the low cost of living, basically. If you compare, uh, I'm, I'm in Berlin, and if you compare Berlin and also other German cities, uh, you, um, you realize that uh, the cost of living is, is cheaper, obviously. Uh, compared to mm -hmm. New York City, Singapore, London. So you can rent apartments uh, with a very re reasonable prices. Uh, in addition, uh, you also uh, get to enjoy uh, 
a lot of green areas, parks. It's not so fully industrial, um, mm-hmm. and also you know it contributes to the uh, to the high quality of life. Once again, you know a low cost of living and and uh, reasonable apartment rents. That's number one. The second reason uh, set was uh, the strongest economy. We're talking about the strongest economy of Europe. Uh, Germany has the strongest economy, lots of job opportunities. So I knew that it's going to be uh, a multi-culti city um, and I'll have lots of options there. And Mm -hmm. uh, also I I spoke about the benefits. Once again, you have lots of benefits as, as a resident here. Uh, also, you know, uh, regard you, you as a salaried employee, uh, you have rights. People cannot fire you right away. Uh, you have social benefits. So uh, uh, you have, once again, uh, uh, one of the best trans- transportation in the world. Uh, the fact that I, I don't have to buy my own car saves me a lot of money. So also I can move around uh, really fast from one, uh, one, one place to the other. And uh, it always uh, it always goes once again to the benefits and to the high cost of living, and also we're talking about a country with a with a low crime rate. It, it feels very very safe to uh, to stroll around the streets, and um, that was the second reason. Uh, let's go to the third one. The third one was uh, set my desire to learn a new language, and and let's focus on this one for a second. Because, uh, and this is, by the way, why I didn't choose to move to, uh, to an English-speaking country. I really yeah. had a desire within me. Remember I, I, I mentioned in, in, in the beginning of our conversation that I was very, very curious about cultures, about exploring. I really, really wanted to, to learn a new language. And it happens to be that I, I find the German language to be very elegant, uh, one of the most beautiful languages in the world. And... I've, I've done the process, uh, I've, I've learned, and, and now I speak uh, German fluently. It took me uh, quite some time, but uh, now I, I, you know, I, I understand everything, basically. And uh, I really enjoyed the process, so that was my uh, third reason. And let's go to the fourth one. I've been doing my research, my research set, and then uh, I found out an interesting fact. I found out that Germany has a list of privileged countries. What does it mean exactly? It means that even if you do not have a European passport, and if you are, uh, you are among those countries, if you are citizens of, of one of those countries in, the, in that list, you are able to uh, just take a suitcase, go to Germany, and do the bureaucratic procedure from within without uh, requiring a visa prior to your arrival. And I want to mention those countries, by the way. Um, so the United States, Canada, Israel, Australia, New Zealand, United Kingdom now because of the Brexit, Japan, and South Korea. Citizens uh, of those countries are able to come to Germany with no visa. Once they find a job or a source of, or source of income, they can change their status from within and stay in Germany. And for me, it was very appealing because I knew once I reached Germany, I'm going to do that and then I will not have to come back or do any other bureaucratic procedure before uh, my arrival there. And that's what actually uh, the fourth reason. And these are the main four reasons that I chose to, to move to Germany. Now that uh, I, I really know the country and all of the structures, all of the procedures, I even like it more because I found out uh, even more information 
about benefits like uh, you know all, all sort of stuff like rights uh, employees rights the fact that uh, the, the the city offers like subsidized apartments for people with low incomes so uh, you have a lot of a lot of benefits once again we're talking about a social economic model and this is what I wanted basically I wanted to know that uh, if I pay taxes the government will take care of my needs I know that uh, you know we cannot avoid corruption but you know we can try to minimize it but here I really like in general the European model so uh, the Nordic model uh, yeah countries like uh, Scandi Scandinavian countries for, for example they have a similarity model to uh, to Germany I'm just curious, since you mentioned that, I, I have a lot more questions on other things you said, but since you mentioned, you know, you pay taxes and you want the government to take care of you with those, ta you, basically you're holding the government accountable, you're paying them, so you want them to do what uh, you're paying them to do. It's a very American mindset to be distrustful of the government and to pay the least amount of taxes. Um, in all fairness, the government has screwed up a lot in America. Um, you have the public public education system, which is not doing great. How do you, is that something you also looked into? Because I, I'm I'm assuming Germany has higher taxes too, just like here in Iceland. Iceland has higher taxes than um, back in the states. What would you say to somebody from a country like America who has a distrust for the government, doesn't want to pay taxes? How would you talk to them about this socioeconomic uh, culture? Well, I think once again, it's a, it's a, it's a matter of mindset uh, and, and values because see, I grew up, uh, when I grew up, I was a very um, materialistic kid. You know, people, uh, you know, my parents bought me toys. I, I, you know, people compared all the time that the toys that they had. Um, and I think it's the, the American, uh, uh, the American way, the American mindset is is, is, is the same. Uh, you know, they care more about materialistic stuff. But once again, I had a chance to uh, to have a German roommate, and he has a he had a kid, uh, a nine or nine years old kid, and I saw how he he treated his kid, uh, and he focused more more on experiences than than buying him stuff. And then, uh, you know, I saw how, how they, they eat breakfast together, how, uh, he, take, how he used to take him to, uh, to hikings, uh, how, how they uh, cycle together. And um, once again, you know, it, it's a totally different mindset because here they don't care about the next Ferrari or the next Lamborghini. They really care about experiences and, and traveling and gain more, uh, let's say, life experiences uh, so that they, they will be able to share those experiences. So it's a different mentality. Now, let's go to the, to the taxes issue. Uh, you, you've mentioned that. How, how that the whole thing got to do uh, with, with taxes? See, the thing is, I do believe also that if you come here and you want to be an uh, entrepreneur, you can do that. If you want to be, be a business owner, you can do that. Freelancer, salaried employee, doesn't matter what, what, what you choose to do with your life. Mm -hmm. The fact that uh, you pay, uh, once again, we pay more taxes, but the salaries are, uh, are a bit higher uh, if you compare them to, to other countries, which is good. But once again, I think that the fact that you can be successful, uh, whether you're an entrepreneur, business owner, uh, a salaried employee or freelancer, 
because for me, if I, if I choose to be an entrepreneur and I can make a lot of money, uh, you know, I can make a lot of money here in the States, it doesn't matter. I know that other people, maybe they work in simple jobs, they will not be neglected by the, by, by the mm. society because not all of us are meant to be entrepreneurs. Not all of us mm -hmm. are meant to, uh, to open up our home business. Uh, some people are struggling, you know, some people are teachers, some people, uh, you know, cleaners, and I just want to know that uh, those people are being taken care of. You know, if I'm a successful person, I don't want to know that, that uh, other people are not uh, being taken care of. And this was really, really important for me because, you know, you can, you can be a very, very successful person and live in a, corrupt, in a corruption. And then at the end of the day, you will not feel good about yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting. It's it's the mindset. And I think that's that's the biggest benefit of having a socioeconomic system like this is knowing that other people are going to be cared for. Um, the the wealth is not so drastically separated between the poor and the rich. Um, and I think it also, like you said, it's the mindset. And so, you know, when I talk to my American friends, you know, how do you have a happy society like this and transplant it to America? I I don't know, you know, because it doesn't change overnight. Um, and this, of course, we're getting into really complex uh, political structures and stuff. But, um, you know, the, the American mindset is, and I say that because I have the most experience with it. And I know Israel is very similar to America in this regard. Um, well, maybe. I'm making an assumption here. Uh, but it's, it's very much how can I better my life? You know, the American dream is making a life for me, not making a life for my community. You know, it's not so much concerned with the community as it is about the individual. I'll give you a simple example, Seth. Uh, when COVID hit, what happened here, because people take taxes and uh, the government saves money uh, for uh, emergency cases, if you're a business owner you uh, and, and you actually proved that you, you were a, a business owner, you received uh, between 9,000 and 15,000 euros directly to your bank account, no question asked. Freelancers received uh, 5,000 euros with one click, no question asked. Uh, salary employees, uh, if they lost their job, they, they were still getting income. I also have a chapter uh, that I wrote in my book called uh, Berlin Under the Coronavirus, which shows all of the benefits that, that the residents of Germany receive due to COVID. So that's why I'm happy that I have, uh, I'm, I'm able to enjoy the uh, social economic model because uh, during crisis, you know, that, that whatever you pay will come back to you. And even if that those taxes are going to unemployment, it's fine, you know, they, 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 they deserve it. You know, people uh, may lose their job and, and it's fine. You know, we have, we have scales here. We have, we have uh, tablets here that shows that whether you are entitled or not to, to, to receive uh, unemployment benefits. So I think, general speaking, if you're a successful person, you can be successful all, all over the world. However, I would prefer to be successful in a, in a social economic model. Hmm. I like that. I like that a lot. So going back to your story, when you first got there, did you know the third reason you went there, you wanted to learn a new language? Uh, did you know any German before you got to Germany? No, actually, I, I, I had zero uh, uh, German language skills. Um, and, wow. and by the way, people ask me, hey, do you, uh, do you suggest that I will learn German before my arrival? 
I always say I, I do not su suggest that at all, uh, because of two reasons. One, the price. If you start, if you learn German in your native country, they will charge ch charge you five times higher. If you go mm -hmm. here and and learn intensively in a school, you'll pay a lot less. I paid like two hundred euros for one month intensively every day, three and a half hours. Um, and and it was much cheaper. You are also are uh, able to uh, to uh, to learn it very fast because you are once again. Uh, surround yourself with, with German society and, and speak with uh, German all the time so it comes easily to you. Uh, the second reason, if you're learning a new language and you do it and you're not fully interacted with the environment, it will take you longer. That's why when you learn something, when you learn a language in your native country and, and you're not actually living in, in that destination, once again, it will take you longer. That's why I would not suggest to, to learn German uh, unless you're really passionate about it, if, if you intend to come to Germany, of course. Yeah, that makes sense. And from from what I've known, I've met a lot of Germans uh, like as tourists and stuff, and a lot of them don't speak English. Is that what you found? Well, I think the the I mean, I've met a lot of people. Uh, most of the young people do speak English. Uh, the ones who okay. uh, do not, uh, usually they, uh, they are the older people. But hmm. uh, I guess, I, I guess Europe in general, if you, uh, it's not only here in Germany, it's also in France and, and, and other countries. The problem when they uh, see American movies, they have dubbing instead of uh, translation, yeah. instead of titles. So that's what, uh, they, they don't uh, have a chance to hear the language uh, and, and learn it, uh, you know, like, like I did. You know, I, I, watch, I grew up on American movies and, and for me, I was just reading the, the subtitles and it, I, I heard the language. So I guess it, it, yeah. it was, uh, I, I learned it from a very young age. But I guess here in Europe, many of them do speak the language, especially here in Berlin. Uh, from my mm -hmm. experience, uh, one uh, they speak. I think in, here in Germany they speak better than in other European countries. Yeah, got you. Um, that that also aids in your language learning when you're in in the country and everybody is speaking German to you. Um, here in Iceland, it's very very similar to that because we're such a small country. Uh, everybody wants to speak Icelandic. So you know, when I'm at work, I'm learning a lot of Icelandic. When I'm at uh, parties with friends, whatever. So I think that really helps for me um, than sitting at book work, you know, and trying to study outside of the country because you just can't connect it with personal experiences and you need that in order to learn effectively, at least for me personally. When you were in Israel, do you, what language do you speak? Is it Israeli, Hebrew? The, uh, the language is Hebrew. It is Hebrew. Hebrew. Okay. I mean, I learned Arabic when I was uh, in elementary school. Oh, wow. But I forgot most of it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, once again, if I learn it again, everything will come back to me. But there is similarity between Hebrew and Arabic. Uh, some words are similar. Uh, also due to the fact that we write from uh, right to left and not from left to right. So, yeah, got you. So... Uh, yeah, the uh, the native uh, my native my native language is Hebrew, and um, yeah, that's that's what we we will learn there. Uh, now, 
the thing was that the most interesting interesting thing for me when I got here, you know, because we, we have a lot of tension in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. I met a lot of people from other other Middle Eastern countries and we we had a chance to speak about the situation in the Middle East and, you know, it felt the same, you know, that we all felt the same. We all felt, uh, hey, why why can we not get along? And, and you know, here in Berlin, the, the good thing is everybody is, 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 is very friendly. You can get along and, and you gain lots of friends. You meet people who you norm, normally wouldn't meet uh, uh, under uh, different circumstances which makes it uh, great, you know, I meet people, I have friends uh, from Tunisia, for example, and from other Middle Eastern countries, and uh, they actually, I think, also escape this whole political chaotic situation, because they also wanted mm-hmm. why, they wanted, like, you know, to live their normal lives, find they, their quiet spots, and, and to live a decent life, you know. And I know Berlin went through a period, you know, when they had East Berlin and West Berlin, do you do you sense that kind of that history helps the people be more welcoming and friendly now? I think uh, Berlin itself was actually traumatized several times uh, during its history. Hmm. So during the the twentieth the, the, uh, the history in the twentieth century. So let's let's go back to the Second World War. You know the the the. You know the uh, the occupation of, of, of Berlin, both from mm-hmm. the uh, Soviets and the uh, um, the the Americans, uh, actually uh, caused the, uh, the uh, actually uh, caused a lot of trauma to, to the uh, to, mm-hmm. to the Germans. Uh, also, due to the fact that they have to uh, to split it. You know, one uh, the east side was the Soviet side, and and the uh, the west side was uh, the western countryside and this was trauma number one you know uh the whole the accusations of of the, the whole holocaust situation that occurred uh back then showed uh actually uh projected uh all the 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 evilness that that uh, at that time and and i think it makes them they, they learn from 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 that uh obviously they, they learn from that war and then, you know, uh, the Cold War started. During the Cold War, once again, you know, uh, because of, of, of that, because of the Berlin Wall, uh, people uh, here, the, especially here in Berlin, uh, were divided. They were not able to see their relatives. So mm. one person lived on, uh, in, in the west side, the other one um, uh, on the east side, and they, they, they didn't have a chance to meet. So uh, also, uh, it created a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of uh, bad emotions, bad feelings, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of uh, depression. And then uh, what happens after the Berlin Wall fell in 1989, people were able to unite, to reunite again. And then everything started to open. The city started to open. That's why when you, I don't know if you visited the city. Not yet, no. I, I traveled Europe, I, I traveled uh, a lot of countries uh, within Europe. And I can say, tell you that this city is, is nothing like any other European city. Because when you, when you, when you visit the city, when you uh, wander around the streets, you feel like uh, 
uh, ambivalentic feeling. Um, you feel like this city has a sad side because you see a lot of memorials, uh, a lot of statues, a lot of uh, places that remind you uh, of you know of the history of the the bad history, uh, the 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 sad stories. They documented it. They they remember it. They they, they actually accept it and and. Uh, they actually um, feel guilty about it. That's why here, mm. when you come here, the issue of racism, anti-Semitism is a very, very sensitive issue. And they take it very seriously. So this is the sad side. The happy side is, once again, we're talking about international city, um, one of the most popular city, cities in the world in terms of immigration. The whole world is coming here. So... Once again, a lot of parties, a lot of social gatherings, a lot of uh, stuff to do. Um, so also you have the happy side, you have the parks, you have uh, a lot of, uh, you know, cool opportunities here. So once again, you feel like uh, a bit torn between those uh, two emotions. But mm -hmm. now I'm, you know, I'm in a stage that I can say I, I feel like, you know, it's, I, I, I got used to it and, and now I think it's it's one of the most unique uh, cities in the world for living. Yeah, and I think that's interesting also with the history that you as a Jewish man is now living in Germany. How is that? You said the anti-Semitism history, the, the Holocaust, all of that is kind of a sore topic. Um, is it something that people talk a lot about? Is it something that people just kind of don't talk about um how is that with the the german culture now well remember i told that I used especially to... especially from your perspective too um you know because is there any anti-semitic um uh, any anti-semitic sentiments left or is that all in the past so remember i i, I mentioned the uh, german uh flatmate that i had so he actually told me, we, we had a discussion about it, and he actually told me that um, when he was uh, a young uh, pupil, um, he went to, uh, to school, and then all they did back then, uh, they taught them about the Holocaust, about what happened, and about uh, everything that happened, about what Germany did at that time. So mm -hmm. now it's a mandatory for, for kids in Germany, not only now, but even back then, He's like in his 50s now, but back then they taught them uh, this topic at school. So for them, it's it's unavoidable. For them, they, they, they have to face it. And mm -hmm. he told that at some point it was so, uh, it felt like he, he couldn't take it anymore because they, they're really focused on it and, 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 and they, they have to learn it thoroughly. And, and he said for him, you know, at some point he felt it was too much, you know. But I think mm. it's good because then, you know, uh, they realize that they, they feel like uh, they, they know everything that happened and they, they can uh, move forward. This is number one. But second, I think it, it creates more tolerance. They, they need to learn from the past. And then they, of course, they, they've done it, of course. And um, regardless of, of, of the past, you cannot blame the, the, the young generation for, for what happened, uh, obviously. So I guess, once again, it's good that they learn about it. It's unavoidable. It's good that every place you go, you see memorials. Uh, I don't know if you heard that here in the city, we have the, the Holocaust Memorial, which is mm -hmm. actually located really in the center of the city. 
really next to uh, uh, Brandenburg Gate, two steps from there. You see this huge Holocaust memorial. You're not all allowed to uh, to uh, uh, paint gra gra graffiti on it. You're not allowed to uh, to climb it. They keep it very very strict, and and mm -hmm. they respect it. And it shows a lot because this is one of the most expensive uh, areas in in Berlin, and they actually chose to build this memorial uh, in that place. So it shows you how much uh, they they show that they are the one uh, who take responsibility. Now, as for your question, you ask whether I experience uh, anti-Semitism or anything like that. Uh, the answer is no. On the contrary, I think that um, because, once again, you got to understand, this city is full of foreigners. You see people from all over the world. Uh, so you see a lot of uh, immigrants, uh, even refugees. So I guess when you live in a, in a, in a such an international city, because you have lots of foreigners and international uh, environment, once again, people uh, tend to accept you more and it's not like you, you live in a, in a, in a faraway uh, German village. You, you are here, this is an international city, and actually, I feel great. I think, uh, I think that this is, especially here, uh, when people are tolerant uh, toward one another, uh, you know, a lot of people come here because they are escaping from their native countries or because uh, people do not accept them um, in their, their native countries. And that's why here they, they find peace. And I think this is uh, what makes this, this city, especially Berlin, very, very, very unique uh, city. And uh, I, I even write in the book that, that I see similarity between here and San Francisco in the States. Uh, because you have a large gay community, for example, people can wear whatever they want, people can go to clubs, bars, so the whole environment, even some alleys remind me of, of the alleys uh, in, in San Francisco. So, uh, as you call it, San Francisco. But, uh, so yeah, it, it is crazy also here, you know, regarding clothes, regarding outfits, regarding uh, clubs. So that's why I find it uh, to be very, very unique city. When you first arrived, what was the most overwhelming thing for you? As a, as a foreigner coming into the city, lots of foreigners, lots of uh, activity, everything going on, kind of the history that we've talked about. So for you as somebody new coming in, what was the most overwhelming thing? Well, believe it or not, when I came here, uh, people always ask, ask me, uh, did you experience culture shock? Yes, there is, I guess, a culture shock because, you know, you feel like uh, people are like they're stuck in the 80s, you know, feel like uh, with diff those different outfits, they hear like 80s song, they hear like, it's like, uh, you know, they, uh, they, uh, they come from a different era. But uh, then again, you know, when I came here, I worked tremendously hard on my immigration goals and I didn't even have time to experience, cult uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, culture shock because... Once again, I was working against time uh, because once you come here, you, you uh, as a non-European uh, from, from one of the privileged countries, you have uh, up to three months to stay. Uh, you, you need to, to do everything fast. So learn a new language, find a job, everything you need to do very fast because you need to set up your status as soon as possible. 
and I switched a lot of apartments and yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was really, Hectic. really, uh, intense, uh, when I got here, then, you know, I got, I, I, step by step, I, I managed to, uh, to, uh, to gain my, my stability. And then I was able to see more, uh, more of new places of the city and experience, you know, more like social events. And then I realized that, yeah, it is different, you know, the, 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 the once again, I, I think it's, it's an open-minded, 100% uh, open-minded city. And that's why I think people who come here, um, many of them are artists, many of them creators, many of them are, have like this uh, rebellious uh, mindset. So I find it great, you know, because everybody can find his spot here. For somebody who wants to read your book, Berlin's Immigration Secrets, is this written for somebody coming to Berlin who wants to experience Germany or, or immigrate into Berlin? Or is it more for a broader audience, anybody who's looking to better their life? Well, I think this book is, once again, let's go back to the, uh, to the immigration uh, process. Uh, I think, as I mentioned it before, I think in one of my interviews, most of the people on this planet will not immigrate and mm -hmm. uh maybe l less than 20 percent if you take a look at your uh friends your close circles many of them are, are still in the us yep. i think we are being programmed to live our daily lives in our native countries especially if you are married if you have kids you're even uh and you're more established we are being programmed no government will encourage you will encourage you to immigrate and that's why it was very, very fascinating for me uh, to learn more about immigration. What caused you to leave your, your, uh, your native country and move to another country? And then I found out, said that people who come from poverty, people who are escaping for something, people, uh, not spoiled people, people who really have a desire to change their life, they will do whatever it takes. Because if you compare immigrants for uh, that are coming from poor countries and Western immigrants, you'll find out that the Westerns are more spoiled. That's why they do not take it seriously. But those who yeah. come from uh, Pakistan, India, uh, China, they are, the, 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 they are more diligent and they will learn the language immediately. They will integrate really, really fast. And this is the difference, I think. It's all about in the mindset. Yeah. So the book I wrote is for those 20% uh, or less once again, the book is about immigration. It's, a, it's about changing your life forever. It's about knowing that, that uh, you are willing to do that extra mile in order to stay permanently in your new destination. There is no plan B because, uh, and, and this is the difference, there is no plan B, there is no going back. You'll have to do whatever it takes. And that's why I also mentioned in the book, the, uh, the immigration spirit, which means that uh, the spirit that you have within you to do whatever it takes as long as it takes regarding the obstacles uh, so that you'll be able to stay permanently in that destination. That's that's incredible. And so people can check that book out on Amazon. I believe it's for sale. And they can also look you up on your website and learn more about it. And I'll link all that in the show notes. I would be remiss if I, I didn't ask you to speak uh, both Hebrew and German before we ended this conversation because I'd love to hear what it sounds like. And I know it's always hard when I ask somebody, they're like, what do I say? So you can just talk about the day, the weather, you can 
talk about what we're doing here or, you know, a famous proverb or something. Uh, but I'd love to hear first Hebrew and then and then some German. Sure, sure. Uh, but first of all, before I, I'll do that, I want to I want to uh, speak to the viewers. Once again, uh, the book is available on Amazon. You can purchase both the Kindle version and the paperback. Uh, you can contact me via LinkedIn. I use a lot of LinkedIn. Uh, I have a community there. I share lots of articles there uh, regarding immigration. Uh, the website, Berlin's Immigration Secrets. I also have a Facebook page that's called Berlin's Immigration Secrets. I update stuff that's going now, today in Berlin, also about immigration policies. So check it out as well. And now um, let's think about something. Let's start with Hebrew, set. Set, יש לך פודקאסט מדהים, תמשיך לעשות מה שאתה עושה, אתה בן אדם מדהים, אתה מאוד מוכשר, אתה תצליח, ושיהיה לך רק טוב. I appreciate those kind words. Okay, yeah, you're going to tell the meaning too. Okay, it means that you have an amazing podcast, I really like what you do, and continue to do, to do it for other people. I love it. Now you can say the same thing in German. Okay, uh, Seth, uh, ich danke dir für dieses uh, Gespräch. Uh, ich, uh, ich bedanke dir für, uh, für deinen Podcast. Und um, ich, um, ich wünsche dir uh, viel Glück in Zukunft. Und uh, Dankeschön. I love it. Those, those yeah. are actually two beautiful languages. I, I really enjoyed hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> well... As we wrap this as we wrap this podcast up, we've kind of spoken to it earlier, but what would you tell somebody who um, because like you said, we're kind of programmed to not leave the country. you know the governments want us to stay. Um, but it's a huge world out there. What would you say to somebody who is not feeling um, content with their life? It's a scary proposition to immigrate to a different country. Uh, they might not even think it's possible, but what would you say to them just as we close this conversation? I would say once again, sit down with yourself, ask yourself the following questions. Am I happy with my current government? Am I happy in my current surroundings? Where do I see myself in the next 10 years? Not three years, 10 years. You, you, you gotta think uh, in long term. We are long distance runners. Immigrants are long distance runners. Where do I see myself in 10 years? Ask yourself those basic questions because those questions will shape your future, will shape your life. Um, and if you really, really want to have a change, once again, and this is another thing that I write in the book, uh, you gotta step out of the comfort zone. Uh, and this is the hardest part. Because, once again, stepping out of the comfort zone, as I compare it in my book, is like being a swimmer that have to jump out of a, out of a cliff, out of a cliff into, into, a, into a cold water. Mm-hmm. And this is the hardest part. But once you do the jump, once you jump and, and, and dive into the, the, into the water, it's going to be very, very difficult. But after a while, we'll, you will adjust and then you can move forward. So get, stepping out of the comfort zone is being this swimmer who jumping off uh, of that cliff into, that cold, into, the, into those cold waters. So this is the hardest part. But once again, as I promised in the book, this is the hardest part, that's it. After that, you'll have to to keep on swimming and it will be easier uh, one step after another.
Thank you for visiting the Curiosity Shire and listening to today's conversation. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with a friend so they can be a part of this community as well. This episode was edited by Jeff Parker with music by John Bentley and Grand Mercy. And I'm your host, Seth Sutherland, wishing you all the best until we see you again here in the Curiosity Shire. <laughs>